Hi, everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Hey, Alan, I'm doing good, buddy. It's, uh, you know, in Indiana, it's it's a weird thing that the weather in spring, it's like heat and cold go to battle. <laughs> just day after day, even hour to hour. It's just like it can't make up its mind. Yeah, heat lost today. Yeah, it certainly did. Because cold, cold did a, a nasty little trick, and it brought in its friend, Wet Rain. Oh. And together they they wonder twin together to make dank and heat lost. <laughs> I can't believe that guy made bail. Wet rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny and yeah. nerdy and nerdy. The best kind of funny. You're telling me, Mark. You know it's a little weird today because um, our, our viewers can't see this, but we're we're not together in the studio. It's kind of weird. I'm like here, kind of by myself. I mean, Constantine's here, uh, so it's kind of like being like by myself. But uh, you're you're elsewhere. I am. I am. We had to use our uh, special technology here at LFP, uh, the the emergency broadcast system, since exactly. we couldn't be. Uh, we had to respond to an emergency, so we're doing this uh, remotely. But uh, you know, through the magic of technology, we're uh, going to make it seem as though it's just well seamless. Well, there you go. Well, and yeah. we started the podcast this way back in the early days of the pandemic, right? We yeah, but we sucked then. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's what one review, at least one review said, maybe, maybe a few more, in fact. But you know what? To be fair, I kind of agree. I, I feel like those first, I don't know, 12 or 15 episodes, um, I, I'd kind of like a do-over on them, honestly. But you know what? We were just learning how to do this stuff, and hopefully we're a little better now. Alan, you know how sometimes <laughs> restaurants, when they want customers to tip them, they yeah. will put out a basket, but they'll seed the basket ah. with like an initial dollar. So right. they go, oh, well, other people are already doing this. So I might as well. I, I may have seeded the bad review. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that may have been my fault. Um, next time, seed the good review, Mark. I think you, you had the right idea, wrong execution. Huh. I never huh. made the connection. All weird. right. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> well, anyway, back to the business of today. Yes, sir. We're, we're here to cover season four, episode 13, Bowling for Votes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We're, uh, we've passed the midpoint of season four, and we're working in the second half here. This episode was uh, first aired on January 26th of 2012 and had a runtime of 2133, so it's a standard edition episode. No, So no producer's cut or anything like that. Uh, this episode was directed by Michael Trim uh, and written by Katie Dipold. Katie, uh, you know, I think we've talked about her quite a bit. This happens to be the seventh of her seven credited as main writer episodes. So this is the last of hers as a writer, story editor, or executive story editor. But she continues on uh, for about nine more episodes as co-producer after this. Nice. Yeah. We like her. Yeah, we do like her and uh, good stuff. And then uh, Michael Trim, uh, who has been uh, the director of photography on about 33 episodes total, uh, is directing his third or fourth today. He's got one more episode uh, after this, I think in season six, maybe. And uh, next week's episode, Operation Ann, will be his last of director of photography. Oh, wow. And I think we can announce that we're actually we're going to interview with, with Michael this coming uh, week, and we'll be able to air that as part of next week's episode, Operation And. But he's our director. Yep, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so we'll have to circle back and ask him a few questions about the bowling for votes. Absolutely. Well, Mark, why don't you kick us off with some synopsises, and uh, we'll get this thing going. All right, synopsises incoming in three, two, one. All right, Alan. Well, I uh, I decided to break this sucker up into three stories. 
Uh oh. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> the judges say that's incorrect. But, but go ahead. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't like this at all. But okay. Well, here we go. Yeah. I, I so let's start off. I'll start off safe. So the first of two stories. Go ahead. In the dangerous territory. So the 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 A story. I'm all flustered now. The A story. I entitled. Oh, my titles are just dumb this week. I'm just looking at them. My A story is entitled "God Damn It, Derek." <laughs> <laughs> That's the first title we've ever had to use a beep on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, make it family sorry. friendly. So, sorry, nice job, Mark. Sorry, Constantine. That's all right. All right. Leslie witnesses a focus group participant named Derek say he won't vote for her because, quote, she doesn't look like someone he could go bowling with. Mm. Despite Ben urging her to not let it get to her, Leslie obsesses over winning Derek's vote in particular, even going so far as to have her campaign hold a bowling night for the public. At the event, Leslie good-naturedly challenges Derek to a game of bowling, letting him win while providing free food and beer. However, at the end of the game, when asked if he will vote for her now, Derek still says no. Wow. What will happen? How does Leslie handle Derek's continued rejection? Can Ben help these two get along, or will he make it worse? What is the one thing that ends up getting Leslie to stop obsessing over Derek's vote? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. I already don't like that Derek guy. I know. He's a, he's a, he's a, you call him a never do well. Yeah, he's never a, do well. Yeah. N- rascal. All right. So the, the, the B story, the second of three stories, <laughs> the B story there. Um, I, uh, mm, Go ahead. Mm, as a, I, I have entitled uh, this one, at least we won't have to be, um, it's entitled too much happiness makes April cry. <laughs> so All right. yeah, go figure. All, All right. right. Jerry gets April, Andy, Chris, and Donna to join him in an all night phone bank at Tref cab, i.e. the residence formerly known as Burley's, i.e. April and Andy's house to raise funds for Leslie's campaign, offering a prize of two movie tickets for whoever raises the most money. Chris wants to win so he can go out on a date with his girlfriend, Jerry's daughter, Millie. April wants to win because it would take away Chris's happiness. (laughs) Chris, well in the lead, announces during a break that he's going to ask Millie to move in with him. However, Jerry privately reveals to everyone else that Millie is planning to break up with Chris. Uh How will this turn out? How many phone voices does April have? Does Millie actually end up breaking up with Chris? Who ends up winning the movie tickets? Stick around. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. So, so far, we're on the same page. I had the A story. Uh, mine was titled Punch Bowl Arama. Okay. Yeah, I like you that. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my B story was titled uh, uh, Jerry's Kids, <laughs> which is kind of a. <laughs> If, that's if you're that's of a funny. certain age, you'll understand yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Telethons, but old curmudgeon. Yeah, that's right. That, that's actually that's very good. Yeah, I like that. So, what's this third and made-up story you got? The third and made-up story I have as my C story, and it is entitled "Tom versus Ron Battle Bowl." <laughs> All right. So here's my synopsis for that. During the campaign-hosted bowling night mentioned above for the A story. Tom, Ron, and Anne bowled together on a lane, with Tom embarrassing Anne and especially Ron with his childlike, two-handed, underhand bowling technique. 
However, as the game progresses, Tom proves that his technique is quite effective, much to Ron's chagrin. Later, Tom injures his finger, or fingy, when getting his ball, uh, and he's unable to finish the last frame, leaving the winner in question. What will happen? Was Ron involved with the accident that hurt Tom's fingy? Is Tom, in fact, a female bird? How will they determine who won? Hang in there, podcast viewers. Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. All right, nice job. I I see what you did there. But it's interesting to me that you couldn't mention the C story without referring back to the A story, which, uh, you know, just should tell you something to say. You're right. But we've had things like that before, like for the fight. Everybody was in the snake, the snake hole uh, lounge yeah, there. Lounge, but, yeah. you know, they're just different little subsections. So yeah. I don't know. All right. That's fair. I'll, I'll give yeah. you the, the judges understand your intent and they'll give you a partial <laughs> credit on this. One. They understand your handicap and they're just going to give you a balloon. And let you go on. <laughs> All right. Mark, what'd you have for AKAs this week? AKAs. I had one for each of the, th- I had three AKAs. Um, so the first one is uh, from Leslie Nope. And it's just simply, it's, it's something that she repeated several times. I'm excellent at bowling. Ask Ron. <laughs> it's, it's very important that you ask Ron because he will tell you. At least four um, times she said that. <laughs> my, uh, my, my second one is from, uh, Andy Dwyer. And this is when there's a kind of an awkward uh, uh, situation and he's going to take champion the, the three-legged wonder dog uh, outside um, to kind of get away. And he says, uh, sorry, he hates awkward situations, which kind of made me laugh. I love it. And then third is uh, from Ron Swanson. Um, so when asked, he's at the bowling alley and he's asked if he's afraid to eat somewhere. And he says, and I quote, when I eat, it is the food that's afraid, which just made me <laughs> chuckle. So, so Ron, anyway, what you got, man? Uh, well, you know, just for the two, the two canon stories, Mark. Yeah. 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 I, I basically had a two way tie. So I'll pretend on the first one that it's actually an A and a C story. And that way we're on the same page. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a point at which uh, Tom is doing this crazy, uh, you know, I think we called it granny bowling in my day. I love yes. the way you described it. <laughs> Ron is horrified and says, son, people can see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so good. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, uh, you mentioned the little bowling accident. I guess we'll tie this one to your storyline C there. Uh, sure. Ow, my fingy still hurts. Yeah. So, yeah. It's fingy. Gotta love it. Gotta love yeah. It. My B story, though, is um, <laughs> there's Chris is at the pledge drive and Chris is just being Chris. And he just says, you know, everybody's the best. We're all winners. Yeah, so, I love it. It's very Chris. It's very Chris. And yeah, he has yeah, some yeah. very not Chris moments in this episode, which we'll get into here. We will. Yeah. All right. Well, Mark, let's move into the episode breakdown. You want to kick us off with the cold open? Yes, sir. I do. All right. So we are actually somewhere outside of City Hall. I wasn't sure exactly where this was per se, but it's it's someplace that I think they've set up so that they can have things like focus groups. Like there's a there's a, a one way uh, mirror on one of the walls so people outside can see what's happening inside. Almost like a police station. Mark, I did it. I did a deep dive on this. You did. It turns out that they rented at the Pawnee Police Station, Interrogation Room B, and Observation Room B, which is tied to it. I love this so much it hurts. I can't believe you did that. Congrats. All right. So So in Interrogation Room B, um, 
we have a focus group and they're watching a video of Leslie giving a campaign speech on a TV in the room. And Tom and Donna are inside the room and they're kind of moderating discussions and feedback while Leslie and Ben are on the other side of, uh, you know, the one way glass there, uh, you know, like a police station uh, watching everything go down. Alan, you know what? Let's let's start this off right. I know Constantine's there with you. but Yes, he's got that, his finger have, on the button. Have that no good Nick Constantine play this first clip. All right, here we go. Kick it off, Constantine. I will institute a reduction in taxes for the small business owner, as well as a 7% surcharge on all non-local business-related development. Together, we will build a better Pawnee. So, what we're looking for here are your overall impressions of this candidate. What do you like about her? What don't you like about her? Her ideas, her voice. Her clothes, probably. Well, my campaign has a little momentum, so we're trying to capitalize on that by doing a focus group. Some things are very helpful. Other things are not so helpful. All of the things make me feel a lot of feelings about myself. <laughs> she's kind of short, don't you think? Aggressively short, almost. It's like she's throwing it in my face. Insightful. You, sir, said you would not vote for her, correct? Yeah. Yeah, she seems a little uptight. She doesn't seem like the kind of person you could go bowling with, you know? What? That's ridiculous. I am excellent at bowling. Ask Ron. Leslie, I know it's tough to hear these things, but just try not to get obsessed over one comment. You're totally right. I'm not obsessing. Okay, what are you doing? I'm just reminding myself to tell Ron to tell you how good I am at bowling. All right. I actually thought that she was smart, and I'd vote for her. There you go. Although I once knew a Leslie, and uh, she was just awful. So now I hate all Leslies. <laughs> Would she consider changing her name? There at the very end of the clip, uh, you know, Leslie heard that comment like, oh, can I change my name? And she was this inches away from barging in there. Ben, she, she's practically through the door. Yeah, right. And yeah. we know Leslie can take Ben down if she needs to. So Ben had his work cut out for him. He really did. He had to use a full body block on that door. I know. All right, Mark. Well, following the cold open, we open up the episode to everyone's favorite waffle joint, and we learn that Leslie has totally let go of the comments from the focus group and that she has not, in fact, been stalking one of the participants. Oh, that doesn't sound like what I watched. Oh, okay. So we'll, let's see what happened. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Alan. Leslie and Ben are sitting at a booth uh, at JJ's, and um, I wasn't sure if this was breakfast or not, but it doesn't matter. Breakfast food is the only food at any time of the day or night. It's only when it matters. Um, <laughs> and they're discussing the results of the focus group. And Ben wants to talk about the overall uh, results. Leslie, however, does not. She is now hyper-focused on the guy who made the bowling comment. And Ben urges her not to obsess over this small detail and let it go. But Leslie is not very good at letting things go. She is and not. In, in fact, she has gone as far as creating a giant Leslie Nope binder entitled Bowling comment. comment. Nope. 2012. Mark, um, did you see this thing? It's like three inches, it's like a three inch binder. This is not a small binder. No, like you could use it for a step stool. Pretty much. A platform, a, a bludgeoning instrument. Um, <laughs> maybe that's what she has in mind. Maybe. So, yeah, in the in the process of making this binder, she found out this dude's name is Derek, as we alluded to uh, in the synopses. And you know what, Alan? He's not even that good of a bowler. Apparently not. And, and Ben points out that people often don't vote with their brains. They vote with their guts. And while he knows Leslie can have a good time, the public needs to see that. Leslie suggests the campaign hosts a bowling night for the public, which I think, Alan, is both a good idea 
and maybe still a little obsessive. You know what? I thought it was actually pretty good, a good idea. I mean, we'll, we'll learn here. She may have uh, some alternative uh, me, uh, you know, ideas behind it, but you know, a pretty good idea to put herself in front of the common man, so to speak, and maybe uh, attack this specific perception of her. I, I think it was a good idea, but I don't think that she put down that bone, so to speak. I think she just turned it to, you know, support what Ben was wanting to do. I, I love what, the, you know, in her research uh, that she, she, like you said, she's determined that or learned that Derek's average bowling score is 132, according to the most recent available data. Right, right. <laughs> I'm curious. Satellites must not have been in orbit. That's right. Yeah, they, they were down that day. <laughs> There were some uh, solar flares. Yup. Well, Mark, over at TrefCab, which yep. has uh, become the NOPE 2012 campaign headquarters, April is absolutely thrilled to be spending her Sunday evening with Andy and Champion, of course, along with Jerry and Donna. And it, it just really doesn't get any better than this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's later that evening. So now it's evening time, right? Yeah. And we're over at TrefCab and we see that Jerry... As, uh, as we alluded to in the synopsis, is Jerry has organized a phone bank dedicated to call-ins for fundraising for Leslie's campaign. And he's recruited April, Andy, and Donna, and Champion, the three-legged wonder dog, uh, to help out. And just before they start, Chris pops in to help out as well. In an attempt to make it fun, Jerry tells them the winner will win two free movie passes to the Pawnee Monoplex. I love that. Um, Chris immediately gets excited. Well more excited since he wants to use them for a date with his girlfriend, Millie Gergich, Jerry's daughter. Yeah. Mark, at the end of this scene, this is where uh, one of my AKAs come from. You know, uh, Chris says as a private citizen, he's free to support whomever he chooses. And he supports, he chooses to support team note because they're the best. Everybody's the best. We're all winners. You know what? I also like that Chris did, you know, he gets excited over the possibility of winning those, those movie passes. He really does. And he says, and I quote, out of my way, suckers. <laughs> I, April is already getting annoyed with him at this point. I love oh, yeah. yeah. Big and bad. Yeah. Well, back over at Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl, Mark, uh, the, the gang uh, is, you know, this is there and the, they're started this get to know the candidate event. It's about to kick off. And Leslie looks like 100 percent laid back and natural and not at all like she's trying to scratch her butt on the edge of that table. You and I really watch different episodes here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, lo I love the name of the bowling alley. Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl. I, and, I think uh, they've got Cosmic Bowl at night with the glowy oh, stuff. That's, yeah, that's the best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kids um, like that. So you see Nope 2012 banners and stickers all over the place, which is apropos. Um, people are already at this point actively bowling. And we see Leslie standing with Anne. Um, trying very hard to appear calm and relaxed and right. really kind of failing. Uh, um, I think she forgets how. So we see Ron arrive, who tells them that the bowling alley has his favorite <laughs> restaurant in Pawnee. We also see Tom arrive, completely decked out in allegedly fashionable bowling swag, including a custom jacket, custom shoes, custom gloves, and a custom bowling ball. I love it. I love Ann's compliment that, you know, when Tom goes for it, uh, she really he really does it. <laughs> I, I also love uh, Ron has just a couple of, of pure comedy gold moments here. Oh, I think yeah. one, one of them is my AKA where, you know, uh, he mentions that he his favorite restaurant is here in the bowling alley. And Ann's like, are you not are you scared to eat there? And he's like, when I eat is the food that's scared. And that made me laugh out loud. I couldn't help it. Well, and, and the too, other they, they show that sign that says food hot dogs one dollar 
hamburgers a dollar thirty-five. It's his favorite restaurant in Pawnee. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. it. Cuts, it's just like it's a little window, like the size of a, of a cash register. Yeah, and and like this big board, hamburgers and hot dogs. That's it. That's it. Not even anything to drink. But we've seen before, Ron is a simple man. He doesn't need a complex, you know, big old veggie burger with 20 toppings, oh, no. meat and bread. You may put ketchup on it if you want. I don't <laughs> care. Yes, absolutely. Well said. <laughs> well, Mark, back over at Tref Cab campaign headquarters, the donation drive has begun and we get to see how everybody's doing and learn that April has a bit of a competitive streak or maybe just a mean streak like a badger. Alan, this is the way I looked at this. Tref Cab is now full of what I consider to be Pawnee's version of the dwarves in Disney's Snow White, <laughs> except there's only five of them and they aren't really dwarves, but right. their their names are Cheery, Flirty, <laughs> Grumpy, Timid, and Dummy. And I'll, I'll, le- I'll leave it as an exercise for the viewers to determine which person gets what nickname. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, let's, uh, this, this is really funny. Let's have Constantine play this clip too. I think that's a great idea. Hello. So I am calling on behalf of I Leslie Nope, who is running for city council. Is this Deirdre Splatterfork? That is literally the most beautiful name I have ever heard. No, I don't think we can accept yeah. donations over $50. I don't really know why you would need my social security number. Well, yeah, no, you're right. I guess it couldn't hurt to give it to you. <laughs> it's 210. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> What are you wearing? Fine, if you don't want to donate, then don't. Oh, by the way, I'm calling from inside your house. One hundred dollars! Unbelievable! I cannot be stopped. Come on now, get some money. Come on, April, get in your piece. Come on, oh, do dear. it. Get some money. I don't care about that prize, but I'm gonna win because I want his happiness to go away. <laughs> She's determined. To see him go down. You know, apparently, Alan, tickets to the Pawnee Monoplex are not enough to motivate April, but depriving Chris of happiness, just what the doctor ordered. Just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, yep. sounds exactly right. Back at Ricky's, Mark, uh, Tiki Tiki Tom Tom and Ron do not agree on bowler names. And uh, Ben learns that maybe Leslie didn't really let go of things as much as she had claimed. Yes. Uh, so Anne and Ron and Tom are getting ready to bowl together, you know, in the same lane. And Ron's at master control and entering in people's names, you know, electronically as you do. And um, despite Tom trying to come up with cool nicknames for himself, Ron ain't having it. He just simply says, you're Tom. So I'm in her Tom for you because you're Tom. But, classic. Uh, but classic. But at least that's better than what he entered for <laughs> Anne, which is girl. He entered the word girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor Anne. And she looks at him and says, really? <laughs> <laughs> she thought they had bonded finally. Hey, after the last Halloween party, yeah. I thought that he had kind of warmed up to her. I did too. But you know what? You know how Ron is. He doesn't want anybody getting a big head. So he's got to knock him down every once in a while. Thank you, Jenny. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, so then we we cut over, still kind of on the same scene. We cut over to... Um, to Leslie, who's talking to uh, uh, one of the bowlers named Rich Girdman. Love the names here. Um, Great. And he, and he they're getting a photo op, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, Ben walks up to Leslie and comments, hey, this is a good turnout and things actually seem to be going well. But then Ben sees Derek uh, from the focus group, the one that made that bowling comment, Alan. Um, and, and getting suspicious, Ben asks Derek how he heard about the event. You know, apparently someone... 
made a very elaborate custom invitation shaped huh. like a bowling ball and pin and put it in Derek's mailbox. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> did, did you see the close up of the invitation? It says, and we learn his last name, Derek Turner. Do you like free bowling and fun? And then there's all this small print. And I wish we could read the small print because I bet I it's gold, Jerry. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, from there, we, we continue on at Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl, and we learn that not everyone has the same bowling technique. In fact, uh, some people have dignity, too. <laughs> so we see, let's start with Ron, okay? We, yeah. we see Ron bowling. He, as you might expect, throws a straight ball down the middle, and you know, this time he gets a strike, at least. Yep. So fair enough. That that that's his shtick. Yeah, no hook, Cut. no spin, no fuss. <laughs> no, anything more than that, you're gonna be figure skating. <laughs> um, so you cut to Tom bowling. He walks up to the line as if he's gonna throw the ball as normal, but as he approaches, he starts to kind of like slowly shuffle up to the line, uh, ultimately holding his bowling ball with two hands in front of him and kind of like, a, you mentioned like a granny, like the granny, granny bowl, yeah. like a grand granny position there, um, moving the ball underhanded back and forth a few times between his legs as if to get his shot lined up. And this embarrasses Anne. Oh my God, are you serious? And especially Ron, son, people can see you. <laughs> was that your uh, AKA? It was my AKA. Yeah, it was a good one. And then Tom finally lets the ball go, and it slowly, slowly, slowly makes its way down the lane, finally hits the pin softly, gets a strike. And Anne smiles and applauds. I think she's disbelieving that that happened, but she's cheerful. Yeah. Ron, Ron looks disturbed. Yeah. yeah he yeah. can't imagine that this was, this was even possible. Right. I love that. Tom did fool us a little bit. Right. When he went up to the line, he looked like a normal bowling stance. And uh, he's even got a little swagger and he talks to his ball and says, come on, big girl. <laughs> like, come on. Did you notice it's an entertainment 720 ball? I did. And it's yeah. shaped like the place shaped like the or direct decorated, I guess, like the planet Earth. Yeah. With E720 it. on it. Very Great good. Throwback. Um, yep. So the, the end of the scene, we cut to Ben, you know, talking to Leslie, giving her giving her a little bit of a talking to and says he's urging her not to obsess over Derek's freaking vote and instead focus on the big picture. And Leslie starts to argue. But Ben insists. And, you know, we need everybody there to see a different side of Leslie. Nope. Not not one specific person. And he says, some people just aren't going to like you. Let it go. Leslie agrees, at least out loud. But I don't think that she's done obsessing yet. No, her, her talking head would indicate that perhaps she has a different plan, uh, including <laughs> buying him beers, having some laughs, stalking him on Facebook. And at the end of the night, he will be mine. He will be mine. Very sinister. <laughs> My Lord. Like, is love she it. Emperor Palpatine or Leslie? <laughs> I love it. Well, have you seen them in the same room together? No. Great well, point, Mark. You're yeah, onto so something. Strap in. Well, following a short commercial break, Mark, the action continues at Ricky's. And we see that Leslie does indeed have a special plan in motion here. Uh, and at least at this point, there's no duct tape necessary. <laughs> we see Derek bowling in a lane by himself. And Leslie walks up to him and asks if he wants to bowl with her. And he says, yeah, sure. And to seal the deal... Uh, Leslie orders some wings and some beer, which you know, never a bad idea. And she's already she pre-ordered these two. 
Oh, yeah. 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 She's got this worked out. And she also let slip a few uh, cultural references that she knew he would appreciate, such as the TV show Ice Road Truckers. Um, (laughs) uh, Apparently that binder, the big one that you could bludgeon people with. Apparently her binder is paying off now. Huh, suckers? Um, (laughs) Sorry about the suckers thing. Um, So Mm -hmm. we, we finish off this scene by cutting back over to Ron, Tom and Anne's Lane. Uh, where Tom is continuing to uh, bowl with his childlike underhand style again. (laughs) Tom, I'm asking you as a man to stop this immediately. He is not happy. (laughs) And the ball slowly, slowly rolls down the lane, gets another strike. Tom, boom, Ron, what the beep? (laughs) (laughs) Mark, I'm a little bit worried for Leslie here that should the lawyers... Uh, for Derek eventually get a hold of this binder, it's going to clearly uh, demonstrate uh, premeditation on her behalf. What do you think? I think a little bit. I mean, that's not untrue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She could be in trouble. I know. (laughs) Well, back over on the phone lines, it turns out that Sybil, I mean, April, uh, puts on the charm when she really wants to, Mark. She is exactly doing that. You nailed it. She is. You um, said she had a bunch of voices and we hear a few here. She, she is determined uh, to beat Chris and to do that. And for no other reason to, to steal his happiness, she's going to, as you said, she's going to pour on the charm and let's, this is too good that we can't even do this justice. Let's have Constantine play this clip as well. I like it. Hello. Is this Mrs. Hello. Gallivan? Well, my name is April, and wouldn't you know it, I'm raising money for a city council candidate I believe in. No, mira, 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 mira. It's like whatever you want. Like $10, it don't matter. Well, I reckon it's just like Grammy Mirtha told me and my cousins. You can't eat the biscuits if you don't pay for the flour. (laughs) Put the phone down. Take a deep breath. And then you are going to tell Stephen that you will be treated with respect. Okay? And thank you for your donation. Well, gee, I don't know, Fred. All I know is that I just want to live in a world that's a better place and your contribution will definitely help us get there to the better place world fred <laughs> mark we all want to live in the better place world you know what what you couldn't see there is um after chris got through uh empowering a random person that he doesn't know like he's so prone to do he's like he, he's he done is. before yeah he he got a great donation as yeah. a result. And he went over to the board and, you know, uh, April was talking to Fred about the better place world, but yeah. she got a little distracted on account of, he just got a lot of money. A and that's kind of why she was, she was yeah. stuttering there. Um, but who knew that April could turn on so many voices? I mean, I knew Janet Snakehole. Yeah. That's a great one, well, but true. she has some others in her, in her toolkit. That's a good point. And actually, if you watch the deleted scenes, uh, there's a whole nother rant of her doing a, a bunch of jump cuts with those different voices. They're pretty funny. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, back over at the Rock and Roll Bowl, Leslie continues to try to win over Derek and Ben once again tries to get her to use her powers for good instead of, you know, neurotic obsession. Good luck. Right. Yeah, she's, st- she's still bowling with Derek and she's trying to win him over. Uh, you know, Derek takes his turn. He gets a strike. Leslie goes, yeah, and gives him a high five. You know, Derek goes back to get free food. It seems like things are going okay for this one person who Leslie is not at all hyper fixating on, um, Ben walks up to her and says, I just wanted to remind you that when you're bowling, 
try not to fixate on just one pin. You're trying <laughs> to knock down a lot of pins. Hint, hint. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Subtle. Yeah. <laughs> but not wrong. Nope. As subtle as a hammer, but sometimes that's what Leslie needs. Oh, goodness. Well, back over at campaign headquarters, we have a short pause in the fundraising, and we're reminded why you sometimes don't want to know more than the hero does in a particular story. Yeah, we're uh, we're back at Trefcab there, and during a, uh, I think he calls it a probiotic tea break. That sounds about right for Chris. Um, Chris excitedly tells the gang that he things are going well with Millie. In fact, he's going to ask her to move in with him. And he's he's already working with a real estate agent to find an octagonal house. You know, the usual. Um, Jerry politely asks uh, if he if Chris can take his break in the other room on account. of He doesn't want him to disturb, you know, everybody else who's not taking their break and they're working and stuff. And, you know, Chris just cheerily says, OK. And, you know, he goes into the other room, at which point Jerry lets it slip that Millie's going to break up with Chris. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I love, too, that um, Andy, you got to love Andy, says, oh, yeah. hey, do you guys want to live here with us and Ben and Champion, the three-legged dog? That is actually one of my favorite things, because it seems like you can't just say Champion. Well, right. You have to you say might confuse Champion, him. the three-legged dog. That's yeah. his entire title. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, wear, wear it like a badge of honor, champion. Uh, sweet, stupid Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Back at Ricky's rock and roll ball, Mark, Tom continues to demonstrate his lack of muchismo. And we get a good impression of Tweety Bird while we're at it. Oh, holy hell. Yeah, we're, we're back at Ron, Tom and Ann's lane. And we, we so here's the action that we see, Alan. Ann takes her turn and it goes in the gutter but it pops back out yeah. hits three pins so you know yeah kind of yeah something ron takes his turn bowling just straight and narrow just down the middle as he always does and and we see that he's on a second frame and he knocked down seven in the first and he tries to pick up the spare he misses mm. everything yep. which tom kind of teases him about so i am very angry <laughs> and, <laughs> and then tom reaches down for his uh, entertainment uh 720 ball at the same time that Ron appears to be rolling a ball back on the ball return. And it looks like he accidentally smashed Tom's finger. Oh, was it an accident, Mark? Was it? I think it was. I think it was too. I think it was. It doesn't seem in, in Ron's DNA to win in no, that fashion. No, not that way. But, but subconsciously, maybe. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Tom acts like the world is ending. Oh, my fingy. I mean, just, just, mm. <laughs> and, and, and doesn't, doesn't Anne says like, are you a female bird? <laughs> like, oh my God, it's already swollen. And Ron turns to him. Tom, my God, do you have any pride at all? <laughs> People are like looking at him. He goes, oh my you gosh. did this on purpose. You're jealous of my gift. Oh my God. <laughs> you know what though? I will say as, as cringy as this is, sometimes I kind of like this Tom more than the pimpin' Tom. Well, me too. And and when I, oh, I said the machismo thing, I actually kind of like that, that he's willing to be a little bit, you know, not, not too macho, but he swings pretty hard in the other direction. Uh, and and says, okay, come on, Tweety Bird, let's get you some ice. <laughs> oh, it hurts. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, meanwhile, a few lanes down, we learned the outcome of Leslie's gambit with Derek. And we, we also learned what happened in their first game. 
case you didn't know what Gambit meant. It's uh, X-Men. Um, so Exactly. Yeah, that's what it says. Um, so there, Leslie and Derek are finishing up their game, and Derek's Derek won. I think 134 to 122. And it seems like Derek had an okay time. I mean, as far as we can tell, he had free food. He had free beer. He got sure. free bowling. Hey, what's not to like? As he prepares to leave, Leslie asks, hey, just just curious, you know, do I do I have your vote? And he says no. And Leslie asks, well, why? And Derek tells her, I don't like you, okay? Like he's getting a little agitated. <laughs> and now... Leslie is now irritated and tells yeah. him that a she's he's a crappy bowler and b she pretended to lose to him, so now they're kind of like oh yeah you know so they decide on a rematch and and the terms are if Leslie wins she gets his vote and if Derek wins she cleans his house for a month things are heating up. Mark, I, I, this moment made reminded me of uh, just like in Rocky Two where both The Rock and Apollo said that there would not be a rematch, but here we go. Yeah. 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 There's a rematch. There's a rematch. Yeah, yeah there sure is. Well, we'll have to come back to that shortly. Meanwhile, we go back over to Traff Cab and we learn that unlike most three-legged dogs, Champion really doesn't love uncomfortable moments. You know, at least with humans. This is, I think, I think this is where my AKA came from. Um, so yeah, back at Traff Cab, we see, of all people, Millie Gergich enter the room. And Chris cheerfully greets her and says he'll be with her once he gets off uh, the call he's on. And he leaves the room politely just to, you know, finish the conversation, blah, blah, blah. Jerry gives a sympathetic look to Millie, knowing what's about to happen. You can see it in her face, too. And she's very tense and she sits down and Andy tries to look nonchalant, whistling. (laughs) And finally, (laughs) Andy can't take it, looks down to champion and says, what? What champion? You need to go outside now. Come on. And he picks up on account. He's got three legs. And you know, as he's leaving the room, he's like, sorry, everyone. He um, champion hates awkward situations. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yup. Yup. We're back at Ricky's. The rematch is underway. And so far, we at least know that Leslie can't moonwalk. Yeah, this is just a short little scene just to kind of give us uh, like the progress. Like you said, Alan. Right. We're checking in. Yeah. Leslie gets a strike and does the moonwalk poorly to kind of celebrate. Uh, Derek gets a spare and he kind of tries to gloat and get something going. But Leslie just simply shuts him down and says, hey, Chuckles, look at the scoreboard. And we see that they're at the end of the eighth frame at this point and she is destroying him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's going to turn out badly for him the way things are going, at least. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of walking, Mark, back at campaign headquarters, Chris and Millie decide to take a short walk and uh, and spare champion and the rest of the gang from what's about to happen. Yeah, this is this is a fairly short scene too. Chris is off the phone now and he's standing with Millie and he tells the gang, hey, we're, you know, Millie and I are just going to take a nice little stroll. Um, Nothing really of note happens here. Not really, except that everybody is already borderline cringing at what they all know is about to happen and how unfortunately oblivious Chris is to this fact. Yeah. And April has this little moment here where she basically says, you know, I wish for his happiness to go away. I might be a wizard. You're a wizard, April. (laughs) (laughs) But, but she feels bad. You can already see it. You know what? I, I couldn't tell at this point if she felt bad or if she was excited at the prospect of magic powers. I think she's riding the line on both. 
That's best possible. Yeah. 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 It's hard to imagine, right? Yeah. Well, Mark, in every ward, there are winners and there are Derricks. Yep. (laughs) And it's too bad that not everyone can lose with dignity and be a good sport. Oh, holy hell. I know I can. I mean, can't. <laughs> Leslie can, Leslie has soundly trounced Derek 205 yeah. to 132. Just smashed him. And all's well that ends well, right? Yeah. Eh, um, <laughs> let's uh I can't even, you know what? Let's have let's have Constantine play this clip. Fabulous idea. Hey, Derek, what a defeat, man. I mean, I did not expect to win by that much, but I warned you, I'm a good bowler. Whatever. All joking aside, I want to say that I actually had fun. And I'm really looking forward to your vote in the spring. Yeah, I'll just write in, bitch. I'm sorry? What did you just say? Just ignore him. He's being a jerk. I said she's a bitch. Oh, my God! What the hell? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That was awesome. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Wow. Oh, look! Oh. Here's that photo op you wanted. Ow. Sorry. Mark, why is the camera always there right after you punch somebody and start kissing your your campaign candidate? Every single time. Every time. time. Yeah. Well, Mark, the action continues and Ben gives his account of the events leading up to what I'm calling Punchgate. And we get a reminder of uh, just how much Ben doesn't do around cops. You know what? Why don't we play this scene as well? Yeah, I agree. All right. So, you know, that's everything that happened. So that was just what happened. It was just like, (laughs) what's wrong with you? I don't know. I just, I have a lot of adrenaline right now. Just take a few deep breaths, okay? Guy said he might press charges. Yeah, well, Randy, I would like you to know that we will not be pressing charges. Yeah, that really wasn't an option. Come on, the guy was being a total jerk. What Ben did was warranted and extremely awesome, by the way. Did you write down how awesome it was? When we write official reports, we refrain from using words like jerk or awesome. Hey, here you go. Hey. Wow, you and me, huh? Hurt thingies. No, no, two totally different injuries. <laughs> and tries to bring him uh, some ice, you know, which, yeah. you know, yes, that's what she gave Tom as well, but that's where the similarities end. That's pretty much where they end, yeah. Yo. Ben got a, got a good uh, punch in there. You can tell he's maybe not the world's uh, most frequent fighter, but he uh, he connected. He, he connected and I, I it's clear that he's very remorseful. He had no intention of doing it. And, you know, he's spiked with adrenaline being all weird and, and space and fear of cops. Yeah. 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 Well, ben that's is, true, too. He's never done well around cops. If you remember back back that's in the right. ca- early Calzone days, as I like to call them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good callback. Well, back at campaign headquarters, we also get to see another winner and loser scenario. And here, at least no one gets punched, at least not literally. Yeah. See what I did there, Mark? I do. Yeah. I like how you bring it back all the way around. Yeah. You're I, I do my man. best. And yeah. so then back at the Tref Cab there, um, Jerry, we see Jerry getting off the phone with Millie, who apparently just told you know her dad that, yeah, I just I just broke up with Chris. Um, and I, Chris isn't there at that point. I don't think he comes back. And uh, Jerry tells the gang this and they they predictably boo him as if it's his fault. Poor Jerry. <laughs> that Millie bro. Boo. <laughs> but getting things <clears throat> back on track, Jerry announces that the fundraising challenge is over and the surprise winner is April, who wins two tickets to the Pawnee Monoplex. So Jerry hands the tickets to April. Andy, yes, that's my wife. Like he's really, really <laughs> excited. And you see April take the tickets, but 
she definitely looks somewhat less than pleased about it. Yeah. A- Andy's a little oblivious to how she may be feeling about this victory. Yes, I yeah. agree. I agree. Well, as we wrap up uh, the events at Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl, yet one more contest must be decided. And it has come down to a six pin differential <laughs> and, and a fingy handicap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we uh, we go back to Ron, Ann and Tom's lane and we go, we look up at the electronic scoreboard, which has the following um, Tom, for which Ron entered Tom, Tom. has one thirty two and Ann, for which Ron entered girl has eighty two <laughs> and Ron, for who Ron entered bowler <laughs> has one fifty five. So. Everybody's finished except for Tom. Tom has one frame left to left to go. Anne comes back and says, hey, you know what? We've settled up. Let's just let's just head on home. Ron says, nope, we got to finish the last frame so we can decide who the winner is. So needing six pins to win, Tom does his little underhand childlike bowling <laughs> granny technique, although with just one hand, you know, like an idiot. And he manages to knock down nine pins. And and Tom cheers and Alan, in what is possibly another homage to Arrested Development, we hear a frustrated Ron go, oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) To which Tom says, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. I know. Oh, and then, Al, my thingy still hurts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right back to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we cut over to the next day. It's the following morning and we find ourselves back at JJ's. And everyone's feeling a little bit of regret, but mostly an embarrassing lack of whipped cream seems to be the real problem. That just that just tops it off. Yeah. See what I, see what I did there? That, yeah, very nice. <laughs> Magadie do. Yeah. They're uh, Leslie and Ben are at JJ's and they're looking at the headline from the Pawnee Journal, uh, the, the article published by Sean and Malway Tweep. I don't know if you noticed that. I did um, notice that. Which, which reads, bold over campaign manager punches voter candidate embraces him. And uh, I liked Leslie's title better. Yeah. She was going to say, um, no strike bowling bowler struck by nope striking bow, which it was pretty good. <laughs> it's actually really good. I think it might be uh, onomatopoeia <laughs> or, uh, you know. No, it, it really happened. Ben urges yeah. Leslie, apparently not for the first time, to let him resign as it's the only thing that truly protects her from what he did. But Leslie yeah. says, nope, she, she ain't having it. She said, nope, it's a non-starter. Just go on. So. He says, all right, if you're going to keep me, then here's what I suggest. I'm going to coach you. You need to be brief. You need to be sincere. Don't try to justify what I did. Just apologize again and stay on script. Well, we'll see if that's what indeed she does. Yep. Over in Chris's office, we see Chris do his best to find the positive in his breakup with Millie and struggle to do so, while April also struggles with some new sensation that I think most humans would call empathy. (laughs) It's a tricky thing, that empathy. It really is. Yeah. Chris is in his office and we see him kind of silently gazing out the window, kind of melancholy. And April comes in to see him and Chris is a bit surprised, but still tries to kind of, you know, for April, be a little cheery. Like, oh, how you doing, April? And April asks how he's doing. He tries to put on a brave front and he suggests that his relationship with Millie ending may actually be a good thing because and he and he opens his mouth as if he's going to say something and Nothing comes out. Nothing. It's almost heartbreaking. It and he's like yeah. slowly and sadly looks down. April, obviously not liking this awkwardness and this empathy thing. She's looking to see out. if she can find champion right now. 
Yeah, exactly. She takes out the movie tickets and hands them to Chris. And at first he declines, but April drives home the point that it's not the cost of the tickets. This, this is meant to be a gesture, Chris, which I thought was deceptively insightful of her, actually. Chris then notices there are three tickets instead of two. And then April tells Chris, well, I bought another one and thought maybe you could go with me and Andy to the movies sometime. Oh, yeah. So Very Chris ex- Chris accepts the tickets with a big sappy smile on his face. And April starts to leave, stops, turns around, gives Chris a small little hug and leaves. That's good stuff. Yeah, it was good stuff. I like that moment. Yeah. Well, Mark, as we've seen over these four seasons, Pawnee's politicians often struggle when standing behind the podium to apologize or sometimes not apologize for their actions. And here we see Leslie carry that mantle for the first time. Hashtag sexy Dexy. Yeah. Uh, so, So Leslie is now giving a press conference with Derek standing by her and Ben is up there too, but he's kind of like off to one side looking yeah. on and the reporters. He didn't stand ask, next to Derek on purpose. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, don't want to fuel that fire. That's right. And the, the reporters start to ask Leslie questions. Alan, you know what? Let's have Constantine play this one last clip. I think that's a terrific idea. Leslie, are you going to fire Ben Wyatt? Are you going to suspend your campaign? I'd like to first start by saying thank you for coming. And on behalf of Ben Wyatt and everyone involved in my campaign, I am very sorry for what happened at the rock and roll bowling alley last night. You know what? No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not sorry. This guy was drunk and he was aggressive and he was rude and he was foul mouthed and he called me by my second least favorite term for a woman and my campaign manager punched him. I do not condone violence, but I have to be honest, it was awesome. And my campaign manager and I made out a lot afterward. I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's what happened. Derek hates me, and I don't particularly like him. So what's the point? Right, Derek? I feel like you're being kind of a bitch right now. See? So I'm not going to apologize. And if people won't vote for me because of that, well, there's nothing I can do about it. But you should be warned. If you do not vote for me, my boyfriend might beat you up. (laughs) Now, if anyone has any questions about the issues facing our city, I'm right here. Okay, what are your overall impressions of this woman? What do you like about her? What don't you like about her? I like her. What do you like about her specifically? I don't know, she's tough, I guess. I just like her. I like that that one guy punched that other guy, and then I like that she stood by him. See, people vote with their gut. Yeah, that guy said he didn't like my earrings. Go punch him. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. She may be going to that well maybe one too many times, but I think she's really taken with Ben. I think she is. I, I like that whole little sequence there and the way they cut from the live press conference to it having, you know, been a historic moment that's already being reviewed by the focus group. I thought that was a nice touch. Well done in, in terms yeah. of storytelling. And and I also like that, you know, Tom actually seems like he's doing good in this role with these people. Like he's actually getting out of them some useful information from the focus group in, in all seriousness. I like it when they show that Tom has credible talent and he's yeah. able to actually yeah. do stuff. You've and, said and that I before and I totally agree. Yep. And I also like that in this kind of the second focus group, I know that they were really concerned about how this was all going to play. And I think that Leslie especially feels like she took a real risk. Yeah. Not staying on script. Yeah. Not apologizing. And the people for whatever the reason they're, they're reacting positively to what, how she said it and what she did. 
Yeah. I think she became more relatable through this personally. You know, that's yes. the way I read it. Yeah. Exactly and you know what, it. honestly, I think the last couple of years have shown how many Derek's there are out there. They kind of came out of the woodwork, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to see him get his quite honestly. I agree. Yeah. Well, Mark, all that's left is the kicker. And in the kicker, we see that a mystery man is acting on a combination of both inspiration and desperation. And maybe some perspiration. Oh, no, no, probably not. Anyway, I just wanted to rhyme. I just wanted to rhyme. Anyway, so we see uh, someone, a mustachioed man wearing a jacket and cap and sunglasses. Is that like Duke Silver in a trucker hat? You could be right. And (laughs) we're back at Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl. And, And it's Ron. He clearly doesn't want to be recognized. And at the front desk, the manager, by the way, his name, Bob Manager. (laughs) Did you know that? No, I'm not. I'm not making that up. His name is Bob Manager. Mark, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I hate to stop you, but I had to because I looked over at the clip, which we're not going to play. But (laughs) first of all, Bob Manager, my God. Thank you, yeah. Mike. Sure, there have been there have been really good names in this episode so far. Oh yeah, but if I'm not mistaken, that actor is the guy who played Phyllis's uncle Bob, also Bob, who gets lost at her wedding, and that Dwight thinks is a wedding crasher. Oh, you could be right. I think it's him. Oh my gosh! So this is Bob's as far Bob's as Bob's everywhere can see. you can see. Yeah, yeah. Well. The, the multifaceted Bobaroonie here uh, gives Ron his bowling shoes and guides him to lane eight. But Ron says, nope, I want the lane at the very end, the most inconspicuous and out of the way lane you got. And then we see Ron decide to mimic Tom's childlike, two-handed, underhanded granny form of bowling. And he gets a strike. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Ron then continues to use this technique, getting a strike every single time. And we finally flash up to the electronic scoreboard where Ron has entered himself as man, man, with 12 strikes (laughs) in a row, a perfect game of 300. So Bob manager uh, walks up to Ron, you know, Bob's impressed. And he says, uh, says, hey, perfect game. What's your name? We'll put it up on the wall. And Bob reaches out. I think he wants to shake his hand. And and Ron simply hands him his shoes, his bowling shoes, and says, I was never here, and you will never speak of this again. <laughs> Fade to black. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to bowl a perfect game. And I never would have thought to try the granny style. But uh, next time I'm there, I'll do it. There could be some magic to that. I don't yeah. know. And if yeah. I do it, I'm letting them put my name up on the wall. Well, hell yeah. They won't know how I got that 300. Absolutely. I think if I was there, I would just say I'm Duke Silver. (laughs) There you have it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, I think that's a great place for us to take a quick break. We'll come back, talk about tropes first and fun facts and all that good stuff and score the thing and send everybody home. All right. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. There is something to be said about purity of purpose. Sometimes the simple things are indeed the best things. It is with this in mind that I wish to talk about my favorite restaurant in Pawnee, Ricky's Rock and Roll Restaurant. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. As one might expect, Ricky's Rock and Roll Restaurant is located within Ricky's Rock and Roll Bowl, 
the number one bowling alley in Greater Pawnee. However, what one might not expect is the genius evident in the simplicity of its menu. Allow me to go down the list. There are hot dogs. There are also hamburgers. And we are now at the end of the list. Other restaurants may offer many more food items, to be sure. However, just as the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness tells us one to three friends is sufficient, so too is it true that restaurants only really need a few good food items. In this case, hot dogs and hamburgers. If you are at a good breakfast joint, eggs and bacon are sufficient. Anything more is unnecessary and basically pretentious if you ask me. So next time you are in Greater Pawnee and have a hankering for a hot dog or a hamburger, there is no place I can recommend more than Ricky's Rock and Roll Restaurant. And while you are at it, go ahead and bowl a few extra games. When you do stop by, ask about the latest Swanson menu hack, the Burger Dog. A special item they created at my request, which uses the hot dog as a condiment on top of the hamburger. Mmm. Take that, McDonald's. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, welcome back. Well, Mark, as we usually do, we'll go through our deleted scenes here really quickly. We only had three this week. It was about three minutes worth of deleted scenes. We've got Leslie and the gang at the bowling alley after uh, the punch, you know, kind of dealing with the aftermath and then a little bit of a makeout sesh with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, that there's a pretty good run of jump cuts with uh, different April approaches to getting monies for Leslie's campaign. I think that's probably my favorite. Yeah. I thought that she, she she did such a good, awesome job on this show. And it's it's a shame when you have to cut stuff like that because it was really good what she did. But I get it. Yeah, I get it, too. I, I thought there was a few seconds in there, though, you know, with this being this running time, I felt like they could have squeezed in 10 more seconds of that. But, you know, it, know. it's not my show. They, they don't listen to me when I call. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't try hard enough. That's a good point. You're probably on to something. They haven't followed up with the restraining order. They're clearly not serious. That they're not serious about it. Good point. <laughs> I'll tell my lawyer you said that. <laughs> well, Mark, how about first and tropes and fun facts and goofs? What do you got this week? I didn't have a whole bunch of firsts. Like I did okay with the others. I honestly, the only thing I came up with, as lame as this may sound, is it's the first time a punch was thrown on the show. Um, what did I miss? Um, that's a good one. You know, I actually didn't write that one down. Is it the first punch? I think you may be right. You all, I was going through and I know that like Leslie got into it with Lindsay Carlisle Shea, yeah. but that was more wrestling. That was different. Yeah. In, in garbage. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in raccoon infested garbage. Exactly right. That's right. Um, I had three firsts, uh, that oh are my. different. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I've got chameleon April. And, and what I meant by that was obviously we joked a little bit about her kind of different voicings to get to what she wants here. But I've seen that kind of in bigger context with April, where she kind of adapts to the situation to get what she wants. She's kind of crafty that way. You know what? I think you're right. Like I think we saw a little glimmer of this. And remember, um, was it uh, 90? Was it 94 meetings? 94 meetings. Yes. And and she uh, like acted like she knew what she was talking about and she's doing all that business speak. And then, you know, they're like, man, April, you are impressive. And she's like, I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I 
I think you're right. You know, though, that probably makes it more of a trope than a first, but l- let's just say it counts. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I had speechless Chris, which, you know, Chris is often many things, but rarely speechless. He just didn't have the words. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. He, he was pretty moved by, uh, unfortunately, in the wrong direction by what happened. And, with almost, and, and almost like he was just defeated. He was. It was sad. Yeah. yeah I found, yeah, yeah, felt yeah. bad for him there. And then uh, empathetic April, which I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, it, it's maybe the first and definitely the biggest incident of her being really empathetic to somebody else. I think that that's probably true. I mean, I, I, I loved April in this episode. Uh, Aubrey Plaza did a great job. And yep. I think that her, her being sweet with Chris, which I know is not exactly the same thing as empathetic. We've probably only seen one or two other instances where she was that sweet. You know I what I mean? Agree. Yeah. Like, like April and Andy's fancy party. I think when she yeah. said, I love you to Leslie, that was tremendously that was nice. sweet, yeah. but yeah. it's, it's, it's the exception that proves the rule, yeah. you know, and a couple, like another incident or a moment with Ron in a different episode. And so she's had a few of them, but yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Um, how about tropes? Would you get, let me tell you, I had um, over the top Leslie, which it almost seems like is just a gimme because you can pick something. But yeah. I, I said, you know, particularly how she obsesses over Derek and blah, blah, blah. That over would do the, it. To the detriment of her campaign. Um, I had one that I have not been very good at keeping up. And I think I started this in the second episode of the entire series. Leslie Note Binder. Oh, nice. You're right. Yeah. There have been a lot of binders we've forgotten to document along the way. Yeah, yeah. Um Tons of Ben mugs to the camera, BMC. Some really and, good and ones. I noticed not only Ben, but like Ann did and Ron did. Yeah. And like there are a bunch of people doing that. I was kind of impressed. Yeah. Um, this goes without saying, but FWN, fun with names. Thank yes. you, Mike Sure. Yes. Deidre Splatterfork, Rich <laughs> Girdman, Bob Manager. <laughs> you gotta love it. Um, a bunch of PBJ. Yep. Punching bag Jerry. Absolutely. Um, I, I actually said uh AVJ, April versus Jerry, because like sometimes she 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 gives an extra eh. Yeah. Like when she was like, Oh yeah, Jerry, I'm really happy you're in my house late at night. Like, <laughs> okay, that's a little, that's a little personal, but okay. Yep. Um, I have a, a a trope that you started that I really, really like. SSA, sweet, stupid Andy. Yeah. I feel like that that kind of continued here. Sure did. And I played around with the new one. I called it HFA, which stands for hate filled April, because, you know, Alan, donut shops have taught us that America may run on Duncan. Yeah. But Ludgate runs on hate. It's true. It's a good point. What I miss. Well, I had, I think, two additional ones. In addition to the over the top Leslie, which I also had, I had over prepared Leslie. Again, three inch binder on bowling comments. Right. So <laughs> it applies. Um, yeah. Which is, again, a little over the top, but, you know, yeah, just that's that's Leslie. Still fun to call out. It is. I, I had two others. Um, this one, and maybe we have done it before. I'm going to say it's a trope. Leslie needs to be dot, dot, dot. And, and in this case, I had liked. Um, we've seen Leslie ha- needs to be right a lot. Like, you know, she'll, she'll put her foot down and she'll kind of go to the mat to, to prove she was right. Here she did that to really just win Derek over for no other reason than to have one less person who verbally said he did not like her. 
I wonder if another way of, of putting that would be like hyper fixated Leslie because yeah. she gets she's like a dog with a bone. She's like, I have to get this point across. It's very type I have a. to be right. And, and a yeah, lot of yeah. her a lot of her shtick is type A, right? Yeah, that's true. I feel sorry for those bastards. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, the last one I had was Counselor Chris. Um, I thought that's you. You mentioned it earlier. I caught it as well. You know, Chris on the phone lines with this person she doesn't know telling that, you know, tell Stephen that he's got to respect you. And, you know, he's done that. We saw him do that with a woman at City Hall. Uh, you know, he goes into counselor mode often for people. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I think it was uh, the bubble, the bubble when Tom when Tom was up on the dreaded fourth floor and he goes yep. up there to see him and Tom sees him <laughs> consoling this middle aged woman who's crying and, you know, she feels better and gives him a hug and goes on her way. And he's like, yeah. wow, who was that? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. She was crying. She was crying. And so I helped. <laughs> That's so Chris. <laughs> it is it really. really. Is. How about goofs or fun facts, Mark? I had one goof and one fun fact. All right. Um, my goof is that you remember, like, as part of the uh, Ron, Tom, and uh, bowling lane fiasco stuff, at one point, Tom kind of ribs Ron because he missed the spare. Yes. Like, he, he got he got seven pins, and then there's three pins. He just completely whiffed it. He misses with the <laughs> second ball. So if you go, this is freeze frame fun if you have the DVDs, um, or I guess streaming service would, would work, too. If you go to 1653 which is where Ron's like, no, we must finish this. Finish the frame, Tom. Um, you can see what Ron, Tom, and Ann got for each frame or the entire game. And there is no frame of seven, ah. then miss occurring for Ron. Does it matter? Absolutely no. not. It was just it was just something I noticed. Got to love nerdy continuity errors. It's terrific. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Did, how about you? Do you have any goofs? I, I had one that someone else had found and I went and checked it out. So I'll claim it in so far as that I proved that they were right. Um, Leslie holds up that article written by Shauna Malway Tweep. And if you read it, basically the first two paragraphs immediately repeat below the first two paragraphs. So they basically reuse the same text to make it look like more was written than is actually there. Really? Yep. It's another freeze framey. You got to go in at 1730 and check that out. I miss that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's just a little Interesting. fun thing. Yeah. 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 But who can blame them? You know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. How about fun facts? You said you had one of those. I did. Um, And it, we actually are. I'll, I'll judge whether it. it's fun or not. Go ahead. Well, we already talked about this. I this is a freeze frame thing just to prove to myself that it was the thing. Ah. If you go to five minutes and 46 seconds, this is where uh, Tom is telling Ron, uh, I got some different names. I want Tiki Tiki Tom Tom or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And like Ron's like over it. If you while he's saying all these ridiculous names to Ron, you can see a clear shot of him holding the bowling ball and you can see beyond a shadow of a doubt. It's the planet Earth with Entertainment 720 logo on it. Nice. So it, it was just a very, very clear shot of it. Just kind of interesting. Anyway, that's all I got. I, I had one. That's a good catch one, by the way. Um, and I, I love the callback to Entertainment 720, no matter when. I know. Do. Yeah. Um, but there's the there's a phrase in here you know where leslie is being insulted by derek and she goes classic derek well you know as a, pur a purveyor of the good place mark that they had a character on there named derek 
Yes. Yes. Oh. And they use the catchphrase classic Derek that quite a classic bit. Classic Derek. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Which that's I thought so was funny. terrific. Yeah. I'm, I'm not quite far enough in to have seen that in person. So uh, this one got pointed out to me. I'll give credit where credit's due. But but I went a step beyond that, Mark, because you know me. And uh-huh. I found out that not only is there the classic Derek, but there's the Derek classic, which is apparently a wig. It's a short, scruffy wig uh, with a, you know, a skin top at the crown and the fibers hang kind of straight down. It's not quite like the Hansel wig. Uh, it's shorter in the back with long bangs in the front. And there's a bridge uh, that kind of drops down in front of the person's nose. What is happening here? What are we talking about? It's a wig called the Derek Classic. So fun with words. Because I, I was trying to follow you. Know, I, th- I thought you were going to zig and then you zagged. Yeah. Like, you're talking about wigs and stuff. I like it. But yeah. All right, Mark. Well, I think we've punished everybody enough. Why don't we get into our scores and uh, finish this thing up? I completely agree. All right, Alan, it's time for a choice of MVP for the episode. Yes, we certainly do. Both of us do, whether we like it or not. All right, let's hear uh, I did co-MVPs for this for different reasons. Uh, I chose Aubrey Plaza as April Ludgate. And I also chose Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Okay. Whew, that was a close one. And and my my reasoning is I thought Aubrey Plaza did such a good job in this episode. And April really shined. And, and I think we actually started to say, like, in our firsts, in our tropes, I think she started to shine in ways that she typically doesn't. She kind of rose above in a way. You know what I mean? Had a really sweet moment with Chris. You know, she had camera mugs. She had multiple voices to play with. She went from petty to hateful to funny to sweet. She <laughs> she did it all. And I, I think I, I think that and I already said this. I think that April's gesture to Chris at the end was like awkward yet wonderful. And I think that um, the only two things I can think of that were that sweet that she's done. were saying I love you to Leslie and April and Andy's fancy party or maybe doing the road trip with Andy to the Grand Canyon and the end of the world. That also was very sweet, was but I mean, one. it's, it, yeah. it's, it's a very, very short list where she's that sweet. So I just, yeah. I love it. Ron, the reason he's my MVP is against my will. I could have sat there and been <laughs> like, someone could have just kicked my dog and I could have watched that episode and went, <laughs> he made me laugh against my will. It's that simple. They're, they're like, there were four or five moments where I LOL'd out loud and I, I, I didn't care who heard me. Yeah. Um, I love the, you know, him standing in front of the Ricky's rock and roll restaurant that just serves hot dogs and hamburgers and giving <laughs> us that like smug Ron Swanson grin. The like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, this yeah. is it, baby. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Um, good choice. And I love, and I love the kicker. Um, I kind of wonder if maybe there is a missed opportunity with the kicker. Like maybe he should have said that my name is Duke Silver. Yeah, that would have been funny. I think there's something there. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. Yeah. A few additional notes. I felt like there were several great moments for almost every character in this episode. You know, you you pointed out the one I love to Andy saying to Chris, hey, do you guys want to live here with us and Ben and April and me and Champion, the three legged dog? (laughs) Good Lord. Or, you know, sorry, I have to take Champion outside. He really hates awkward situations. Womp, womp. Or, I mean, even Anne. Like, even Anne seeing that Ron typed the girl for her entry. I know it. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And here we thought Ron was warming to her from the Halloween episode. Who knows? Um, You know what? I like Jerry in this episode. He kind of had a take charge 
kind of sort of an episode where he kind of spearheaded things. He's and, I mean, leading I think, the the phone bank number 14, right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and at the same time, he's being enthusiastic and he's being sensitive for his daughter. Like I, this was a pretty good Jerry episode overall. It really is. Um, even, even Donna, who I know, unfortunately, uh, you know, she Retta is, is so underused, it seems like so often. But yeah. even she had several good lines. And I thought that were really funny. I love when she's like, oh, absolutely nothing. What are you wearing? Like, <laughs> boom, there, there's, Donna there's Donna right there. And even some decent comedy moments for Chris, like out of my way, suckers. <laughs> Chris, um, crazy. this is still the Chris that I love, you know, yeah. b- being able to like just very sweetly uh, being cheerful and empower random people. We already talked about that, so I won't go into detail. Um I, I loved everyone's phone tactics, which I called the, you know, the, the five Pawnee dwarves, cheery, flirty, grumpy, timid and dummy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and, and this is something else. As much as I have loved seeing April and Andy together and they are frequently together, they are frequently paired up because they work well together. And yet I still think it's kind of nice when one or the other of them can show that they still have good moments or even an entire yeah. story without having to be tied to the hip of the other. Yeah. Some you know solo I mean? screen time for Aubrey. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. I'm glad they had a chance to showcase April. A little Great bit. point. Uh, makes you appreciate how brilliant Aubrey Plaza is. Yep. Um, finally, I thought that the Ben punch worked on many levels. I, I thought that since he and Leslie became the dream team, dream team, um, <laughs> it, it seems like Ben often serves as the perfect straight man. Like we've talked about this before, but he's also a much needed counterbalance to Leslie's holy Crazy. crap, mm-hmm. over the top, obsessive, compulsive, hyper enthusiastic ways. So what a novel twist to have Ben be the one to freak out and ultimately lose his cool and deck the rude jerk, you yep. know, calling his girlfriend a well crafted. Yep. Um, not to mention, once Ben does this, Leslie stops obsessing over Derek and instead is completely smitten <laughs> with, with, with Ben. Yeah. Um, a couple of, of tiny nitpicks. The phone bank fundraising storyline, I, I thought it gave a really serviceable platform for all of them to have like little moments as they were talking on the phone and everything. But I have to admit, I don't know that I was really invested in the Chris Millie relationship breakup yeah. you know like intellectually i go oh this is bad but like emotionally i was like eh like i wasn't that invested in it you know what i mean yeah. uh, now april's moment with chris different story altogether i also have mixed feelings about the over-the-top leslie in this episode like in general i thought amy polar was amazing i thought she did a fantastic job but from a consistency standpoint ben has made it clear to leslie that there are times when she has to temper her impulses with smarter ways of handling things if she wants to win this election because she's so far behind and this was evident like with the in our past episode with the whole positive versus negative ad yeah uh thing uh that was in the last episode and although i'll admit they came up with a decent compromise in that in that case with the young leslie but it's true here as well like they're holding a campaign hosted bowling night so leslie can make a big impact on the entire population of pawnee in general and i can understand her getting fixated but she's got to listen to her campaign manager. If she's going to have a chance of pulling off this election. But so, Mark, Don't you think that she came up with that whole idea in order to get Derek in a room where she could work on him? Yeah, I would say that's yeah. true. So she's just crazy. <laughs> she's well, that fixated on the fact that this one guy doesn't like her. Well said, well said. So Alan, I did, I did notice one other thing that I wanted to make note of. Um, we, we had a, a thing happen recently with, um, you know, Will Smith and, 
Chris Rock. And it, <laughs> yeah. it, 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 it makes this a little interesting in, in comparison. Yeah, we kind of teased um, this up last week right after it happened. Right, exactly. So, Alan, I'm going to say, regardless of how awesome, you know, Ben punching Derek may have been, I, I, I don't condone violence. I did notice something interesting, though, that makes me feel a little bit better about thinking that it was awesome. Yeah. Um, if you go to this is freeze frame fun again. <laughs> if you if you go to 15 minutes and 30 seconds. This needs to be seconds, a new segment, Mark, on our show. I know. Yeah. I'm saying 15 minutes, 33 seconds ish. You can clearly see that Derek touched Ben first. Ben's body, when yeah. he gets he gets Pushed aggressive, he, mm-hmm. he gets aggressive. He points at him and he pokes him like you can see ben's body yeah. physically not not a lot you can see he- no no but ben weighs like a buck 15 wet and you know Derek with his big nudgy finger pop hits him hard in the chest and ben kind of reels back a little bit i saw it too he he does but you know what i i, I don't want to be petty but i kind of feel like that maybe opened the door a little bit at least legally might have been the icing on the cake anyway that's I just want to make note of that. I thought that was interesting. I, I didn't catch that until I'd watched it like three times. And I was like, oh, oh, he did not have first blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I hate to tell you this. I While I do agree that Ben was, uh, you know, provoked, uh, Han Solo fired first. They're just, you know, I don't care what you say. Oh, yeah. Stupid Greedo. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to the crazy Mark rubric. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give this a four base score. I thought it had a really good main storyline and I, I had three stories, of course, but I, I thought it had good, but slightly weaker supplemental storylines, but they each had their own merits as well. This deserves a four. Not not a bad score. Um, I'm going to give half a point for great performance by co-MVP Aubrey Plaza is April. I'm going to give half a point for great performance by Nick Offerman is Ron Swanson. I'm going to give half a point, something that I haven't given in a while, I don't think, but I thought this deserved it. Great use of the comedic bench. You yeah, know, it's been a I, minute. Yeah. I thought, holy hell, when you have a cast this large, it can be difficult. But like the phone bank story had five of them. The 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 bowling alley had five of them. And in my mind, that even split into two stories and they gave everyone stuff to do. So, you know, maybe a little bit more Donna, but I thought they did a good job. Um, OK, some incoming Mark Cheater combos. Um, I have the Swanson combo uh, where you know Ron in front of his favorite restaurant. Plus, when I eat, it is the food that's afraid. That's that's worthy of half point for those really two is, together. Yeah. Um, I have what I call the whiny pride combo. Um, Tom completely whining about, oh, I hurt fingy. <laughs> Plus Ron asking him over and over, my God, man, have some pride. <laughs> Do you Son, realize people, people are looking? I know, I know. So that combines for another half point. I have what I call the smitten punch combo, which is the combination of Ben knocking out Derek and Leslie becoming instantly smitten with him. I freaking love that half point. And I have one other combo, the uh, stick to your guns combo, which is the combination of Leslie walking back her apology during the press conference. Since Derek was such a douche nozzle and that combined with the second focus focus group actually responding positively to her actions. Like, like I think you said earlier, Alan, I think it made her more relatable. I'm going to give another half point for April giving Chris the tickets plus a hug. Awesome. Yeah. Good job. Very sweet. 
And I'm going to give one more half point for everyone's approach to getting donations on the phone, including April's multiple voices, Chris's empowerment of random unknown people, <laughs> Donna being flirty. I mean, just the whole gamut. It's another half point there. So you add all the crazy mark points up and you get to 8.5 little Sebastians. I felt like this was actually very close in my mind to last week's score. Yeah. But for me, just a tiny bit lower where I was able to go. Okay, I'll give it an eight five instead. Still a very funny, good, strong episode. Um, that's it for me, buddy. What you got? Uh, I think you're on to it, Mark. I think we're we're very like minded this week. So first of all, let me say my two MVPs. I did co MVPs as well. I did mm. Adam Scott as Ben, along with Aubrey Plaza as April. Oh, okay. So which makes sense. You know, you, you have your Ron man crush. So we, we knew which way I you do. would go. Uh, I, I was in, I felt empowered by Ben punching Derek in the face. Uh, although I will say <laughs> violence is never the answer. No. And yet, I don't know that guy. He just got, he got into all my nerves. You know what I mean? Like the, the Derek's of the world are usually the ones that send me into the, I want to punch him frenzy. Never have, uh, you know, right. two fights in fifth grade nonsense. Uh, but you know, right. they ain't over yet. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It could happen anytime. I did think I it was that. ironic though that you know with the Oscar thing with with Chris Rock and and Will Smith that you know happened literally right as we were preparing doing our pre production on this episode and right. I immediately connected it to you know <laughs> the same way Ben connected with Derek's face so <laughs> it, it was a protect the person I care about type moment right so I think everybody can kind of see that in a way and you know whether he should have or shouldn't have I think is also somewhat. Uh, informed, like you said, by the fact that Derek kind of pushed him a little bit. He was, he was being really obnoxious. So, but you know, right. Right. You got to do what you got to do. And this is clearly not something that he premeditated. It was an no. impulse. And I mean, and no. he even was horrified yeah. right after he did. Oh it, yeah. He, you know? he was instantly sorry. He did it. I think the two events probably have that in common as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think from a bench perspective, my one gripe here is that we didn't get more Retta. You kind of said the same thing. I felt like the storyline on the telethon would have actually been a really good vehicle for her to do more than she did. An easy way to give Retta more screen time, honestly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I, again, I get it. 2130, you know, network airtime, you know, you've got to shave it off and get down to the nitty gritty. And I'm not sure what I would have given up to get that. I did feel like you said that the Chris Millie storyline could have easily, just as easily been in this episode as any other. It wasn't, didn't particularly need to be in this episode. So you could have done that. Although I think they did use it to their advantage in terms of using it as a way to engage April the way they did. Where she yes. at first, you know, wants Chris to fail. He does, but not in the way she's expecting. She feels bad about it. And then ultimately she redeems herself at the end by having this really cool gesture, which again, kind of not the normal April, but probably the one that lies just underneath the surface of what we usually see with April. She is a wizard after all. She is a wizard, Harry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was a little, again, and I've said this in previous episodes, I was a little annoyed with the over-the-top Leslie-ness of, of Leslie again. You you said it well. Ben gave her really good advice. All she had to do was listen to it and focus on her damn campaign. So yeah. for someone who wants this as badly as we believe she does, you would think that she would be able to put that 
one guy aside and move on. But I guess then it wouldn't necessarily be a sitcom, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I think that we all understand because she is who she is. We understand why she can kind of like go off on a tangent or get fixated. That doesn't surprise me at all. But if she really wants this, she needs to learn to toughen up and and rein that in. Yeah, that's true. And, and, And maybe it would have been interesting to see how she could have like realized that Ben was right done something different instead of what she did do and they still made it work in a comedic fashion or made Derek look bad in a different way or I don't know I think there's some other possibilities there although overall like you said I feel really strongly that this is a good episode it's a solid episode there's absolutely nothing wrong with it right Um, right. I also gave this eight and a half little Sebastians Uh, I think again you know quarter points yeah maybe it could have gone up but probably not i think it's it's eight and five is about right for this episode a good solid very funny parks and recreation episode but uh not quite a nine yeah i would definitely agree i like your reasoning well thank you mark i i also like my reasoning thank you i appreciate that so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with episode 14 of season four operation Anne, which i mentioned yep. earlier and we'll have special guest michael trim on the show that will air at least a portion of that interview and we'll get to talk a little bit about his stint as director and then 33 episodes as director of photography that would give him a pretty unique vantage point i'm interested in talking to him and learn a little more about that as well so yeah me too Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we look forward to being back with you with a full episode next week. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us. Oh my God, are you serious? Son, people can see you.